to In the Word with Pastor Don Haskins, where we open up the Bible to see what God's Word says and how it might apply to our lives. Our prayer is that you allow Jesus to change you from the inside out. And now, today's lesson. All right, Ephesians chapter 1. Last week we talked about Paul. He's been called by the Lord as an apostle. Uh, you remember we talked about how he is not one that has been called by man nor through men, but he was actually called through God. And God had a, if you've been here for any of our, and I know the gals, you have not been, but for the guys, uh, on our Tuesday night Bible study, we're going through the book of Philippians and Philippians chapter one. And we've talked about, as Paul is talking about, he says, you know, I am betwixt. I love that term. You like that? I mean, it almost makes you want to eat a candy bar, doesn't it? I am betwixt between the two, Paul says. To depart and be with the Lord or to stay here and remain with you. And yet I know that, you know, for to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And, and Paul was saying, I so desire to be and depart and be with the Lord, but to be with you is more needful. And as we've talked about it on Tuesday nights, we looked at it two weeks ago, and we even touched on it this last Tuesday night, whereas we were looking at that, you can see Paul selfishly looking at something in his life, saying, man, I want to go and be with the Lord so much. But then you can see the, the process of Paul's mind in that, saying, but you know, it, only, it does make sense. Not in a braggadocio way. But that Paul would be saying it does make sense that I will remain and be with you because there's not many guys like me. If you think about it, and again, Paul was not one that would brag. In fact, he talked about that in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. He, he didn't want to brag. He would say, hey, I know a guy who 14 years ago, I know a guy. I know a guy. <laughs> 14 years ago, I know a guy. He was caught up into third heaven. He was caught up into paradise, into the third heaven. He didn't want to draw attention to himself. He just wanted to make a point. He wanted to make a point. The gang, that there's more to life than just this earth right here. There is a an eternity waiting for us. And he, he didn't do it to brag and say, oh, look at me, I was caught up into heaven. He didn't say that. But the inference is in his in that letter, Second Corinthians chapter twelve letter, uh, he was saying, "God blessed me with an experience, and I'm going to share that experience with you because I want to challenge you and I want to encourage you. I want to exhort you because times are going to get tough as a Christian. They're going to get difficult in your Christian walk on a day by day, the, the mundane days." We've all had them, right? They, that we have to keep our eyes focused and fixed on the prize. Because eternity is real. Jesus is real. God is real. And hell is very real. Heaven is very real. Forgiveness is very real. And, and Paul looks at that and as, as 
as we've been talking on Tuesday nights, he's saying, not in that bragged, you know, bragging way, he's saying, I want so much to depart and be with the Lord. I, I can just imagine what it's going to be like. But I also see his wisdom in keeping me here. Because I've seen both sides of the spectrum. I've been a Pharisee. I excelled above most of my contemporaries. In fact, he says I excelled above them all. I was a passionate Jew. I was a passionate Pharisee. But then God grabbed a hold of my heart and now I'm an apostle. I've, I've been to the pinnacle of, of, of both points. And right now, I know that God can use me. And it's just as wise for God to use. It just makes sense that God is going to use me. It makes sense that God is going to keep me here to minister to you. Because he's taken me through the university of hard knocks. A lot of us have gone through that university, haven't we? And sometimes we wonder why God takes us through a difficult time. But you know what? Here's the thing. He does it so that we can be built up. We can we can grow. But also that we can, not just for our own personal edification or for our own personal growth, though that will happen, but it's also going to be for others. The things that you've experienced in life, your experience, your learning, your maturity, your growth, it's, it's there for you, yes, but it's also there for others. That's what Paul's saying. I, it's, it's, it's beneficial if I hang out here to be with you guys. Well, look at what it says. It says there in Philippians chapter 1. Verse 23. I'm hard-pressed or betwixt between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And, and, And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Jesus Christ by my coming to you again. And so Paul is saying, I'm, with me continuing with you, I'm going to be able to help you grow. I'm going to be able to mature you. I'm going to be able to share the the growth that God has done in my life. I'm going to be able to impart what God has done in my life to you Hopefully, so that you don't just become a storage container. You know what I mean by that? I mean that you don't just listen. And that's my heart and my hope here, guys, is that you don't just be a storage container here at Calvary Chapel, but that what you hear, you you allow it to come in. You allow it to make some changes in your life. You allow Christ to and, and the Holy Spirit to mold and shape you. But the idea isn't just simply to mold and shape us, but it's it's intended to equip us to go and minister. That's the whole purpose. It's the Great Commission. It's the last challenge that Jesus had for the church, wasn't it? He says, listen, I'm going. I'm going away. But I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. 
Go into the world and make disciples. That's what we're here for, to go into the world and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations, of all people. You can't give out what you yourself don't have. The point that Jesus is making, the point that Paul is making, the point that I'm attempting to make here is that we are not simply to be containers containing the containing the 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 knowledge of the Lord, the knowledge of the Holy Spirit, the knowledge of salvation, the knowledge of heaven and hell, that we are not simply to be containers, though we are containers. But we're to be giving out. We're to be taking in, growing, but then also giving out. Because you're never going to be... It's it's not going to be like the, the, the picture of, well, we're a vessel and we want to be as filled as much as much as possible. And I don't want to give out too much. It's kind of like Halloween, back when you were a kid. You remember Halloween when you were a kid? I grew up with, you know, two older brothers and an older sister. When we go out Halloween, you know, trick-or-treating around our neighborhood in Mentone, California. And we'd go to our Mentone Elementary School, you know, for the carnival that we had. We'd always come home and we had a bag a bag full of what? Candy. And man, we had this bag full of candy. Do you think I would share that candy with my brothers and sister? Absolutely not. That's my candy. Hey, can I trade you? Uh, no. No. Absolutely not. And, and, and I, I, I guarded that. And we all had our little hiding places. My mom would hide candy because you all understand this. Before Halloween comes, there's two times that you buy candy, right? The first time. And and that usually doesn't make it, right, to, to, to Halloween night. And so you eat all that. You get it usually the day of. and Or, as my mom did, she would hide it in our house. And she would find a place and she'd hide it. All the bags of candy for our for our, our little trick-or-treaters are going to be coming to the house. And we would then go off and we'd set off on an Indiana Jones, you know, search. And we'd look in the attic. We'd look, I mean, in a, which mom's never going to go in the attic, but we'd do it. You'd look everywhere. And we could never find it. There was one year that she hid it so well. Frustrating. Man, was that frustrating. I just wanted that candy. And my mom came home one day. She was a beautician. She actually had her her own beauty shop in Mentone. And she came home one time. And I don't know. I don't think that this is a gift that God gave me. Because this is deceptive. (laughs) But my mom came in. I said, I found the candy. I found the candy. And she ran to the bathroom. And she opened up the bottom drawer. And as she was opening up the bottom drawer, I was right behind her. And she thought, oh, what a fool I am. He just found out where I hid the candy. You know, that, I, that's what I was looking for. I was looking to see if she would go to the candy. And we found it. And we, yep. She was hungry. Because it was after a long day of work. Yep, we polished off that bag. But here's the thing. We are not containers. We're not containers. We're not, we don't, God's not going to just give us 
just enough and 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 say don't share it because you're gonna you're gonna have lack then no that's the cool thing about jesus is jesus talks about it in john chapter 8 does it or john chapter 7 right you remember it talks about in john chapter 7 jesus on the last and great day of the feast the bible says that jesus was standing now what does this mean the last and great day of this feast what was happening was in the wilderness in the wilderness time where the Jews were wandering around in the, in the wilderness before they entered into the promised land, the 40 years with Moses leading them. The idea was that God gave them water. He, he gave them sustenance. And so on this last and greatest day of the feast, what they would have on the steps of the temple there, what they would have are these huge uh, pots, these huge jugs these big containers filled to the brim with water. And they would have these millions of people, these these hundreds of thousands of people that all would show up, Jews would all have to go to this seminary or to this uh, ceremony, this festival. And they would all be just lined up right around there by the by the steps and the priests would come out. And on that great, last great day of the feast, this makes a whole lot of sense when you start looking at it, and they take these these tubs of water from the tops of the steps and they pour out the water on the steps and it's dry in Israel. And as the water flows down, as just cascades down the, the, the steps, all of the people, as the priests are beginning to pour it, they're sitting there quiet to hear the sound of the water going over. But once the water starts to go over, the jubilation begins. The happiness begins. Oh, Lord, you supplied for our fathers in the wilderness water. And that's the picture. It's to thank the Lord that he gave sustenance and water to their ancestors in the wilderness. And it's a remembrance, it's a memorial to say, God, you gave us water in a parched desert. And you saved our lives. And so it was on that last and great day of the feast, they're about to pour the water over and you could hear a pin drop. And all of a sudden a voice breaks the silence and it's none other than Jesus. And he says, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and I will give him living water. And out of his innermost beings will will flow torrents of living water. Jesus is now promising them not just a quenching of water, but an overabundance of water that wherever they go, water will splash from them. Guys, it's that's what we're talking about. When Christ, through the Holy Spirit, fills you, it's not simply there to be contained. Oh, I'm going to save what I have because I'm afraid. You know, they're in the wilderness. Every day they woke up. God says, Wake up every day. I'm going to put manna on the ground. Don't take more than you need for the day because tomorrow there will be enough for you tomorrow to eat. Only take what you need for the day. And just like you and just like me, well, I won't say you all tell on myself, just like me, 
the very first day, I would go out there and say, this is food. I'm going to grab as... I know God said, don't grab more than what you can eat, but I am going to pack up for a month. And they did, and they packed up all this stuff and put it all in containers because I want to make sure that I've got more food for tomorrow and the next day and the next day and for months to come. And they pour all this stuff in their their containers. But the next day, they you know later on, the next day they wake up and it's, it's got worms in it and it stinks and it has a stench, this manna. And God told Moses, go back and tell them, do not do what I told them, what they're doing. Don't don't go out there and put things in container. I'm going to give them sustenance. I'm going to give them food to eat every single day. Now, what's awesome, you know about that, right? For six days, he's going to give them food. But on the sixth day, what is he going to do? He's going to put enough food. He goes, except for the except for the sixth day, get enough for two days. All right. But there isn't going to be any on the ground on the seventh day. Now, is that a miracle or what? Every six days, there's twice as much manna on the ground and you take up twice as much manna, but on the seventh day, there's no manna on the ground. You wake up in the morning and there's no manna on the ground. Are you struggling on whether or not there's a God or not if you're in the wilderness? It's it's this picture that God is there with you. But as it is with a lot of things, we can sometimes become bored with the miraculous as they did. Every six days, you're going to have enough. The eighth day, you're going to get up and you're going to have just enough for that day. The idea is, is don't store up. Don't contain. Give out. Give out. That's the essence of this passage. That's the essence of what Paul is trying to say in all of the book of, of Ephesians, this letter that he wrote to the Ephesians, don't be a container that simply gathers and contains, but give out. Because know this, as Jesus said, if you take my living water upon you, I'm going to fill you to overflowing. You're never going to have a lack ever again. But what if I give out twice as much as you gave me? Then I'm going to give you three times the amount. You're never going to give out more than what the Holy Spirit is going to supply for you. And, and so Paul, he's saying, hey, here's the thing. I know that it's beneficial for me to hang out and be with you because I've learned so much. And I'm going to give to you. But I want you to learn that you don't, don't just take what I'm saying. Don't just take what I'm writing to you and contain it. Understand the purpose of my re, my writing. Understand that you're not simply to just contain this, but you need to take it, allow it to germinate inside of you, and then grow out of you. And now go and do this with other people. That's the whole idea behind evangelism. Paul's saying, hey, here's the thing. I want you to understand this, okay? I am Paul. I'm writing this letter to you. God called me to be an apostle. I don't know why, but he did. I was a Pharisee. I'm now an apostle. Not because man told me I was going to be an apostle, but because God told me I was going to be an apostle. And now here's what it is that I'm going to do. I'm going to come to you. I'm saying that I am Paul. I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ because of God's will, by the will of God. 
I'm going to write this letter to you saints who are in Ephesus, you faithful in Christ Jesus. He uses his little, you know, salutation right there that he, that little, uh, salutation at the beginning of all of his letters. Hey, grace and peace to you. You can't understand the peace of God unless you first understand the grace of God. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ, it's not like his first, middle, and last name. Donald Paul Haskins. That's not, no, that's not, that's not how that is. Lord is a title. His name, Jesus, is his purpose. And, and his Christ is his position, his prophetic position. Lord is a title. What is Lord? Lord is, is a picture. It's, it's in the Greek, it's kurios. It literally means Lord or master, possessor with might, with power, owner. He's the owner. His name Jesus literally means Jehovah is salvation. God is salvation. You remember in Matthew chapter 1 verse 21, the prophecy was laid out there before Mary. She'll bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Jehovah is salvation. That's what he's going to do. Remember John the Baptist in John chapter 1 verse 20, in John chapter 1 verse 29. John was sitting there, was standing there in the, in the Jordan River, baptizing people, and he happened to see Jesus walking on the shoreline. He'd been talking about Christ. He'd been saying all of this about Christ, saying, hey, there's coming one behind me, or, you know, that, that I'm not worthy even to, to loose his sandal strap. He's the one that we need to be looking for. And then, and then, just a few days later, Jesus walking on the shoreline, John goes, behold, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's who Jesus is. Jehovah is salvation. Jesus, Jehovah is salvation who takes away the sins of the world. That's what he is. All right? Christ, the word Christ literally means the anointed one. It's the Messiah. It's the coming prophet. In Deuteronomy chapter 18, Moses, he writes about this prophet. Let me read it to you real quick. You can jot this note, take it down later. Deuteronomy chapter 18, beginning in verse 9, Paul, or I'm not saying, I'm sorry, not Paul, Moses He's saying to the people, when you guys come in to the land which the Lord your God is giving you, okay, that's the promised land. They're in the wilderness. They're going into the promised land in the land of Canaan, in the land of the land, in the land of the Jews is where they're going to go. When you come into that land which the Lord your God is giving you, you shall not learn 
to follow the abomination of those nations that are in those lands. There shall not be found among you anyone who makes his son or his daughter pass through the fire as they do in those lands. Or one who practices witchcraft. Stay away from mediums, gays. Or soothsayer. Or one who interprets omens or a sorcerer. Stay away from those things. Or one who conjures spells. Or a medium or a spiritist. Or one who calls up the dead. Stay away from those guys. For all who do those things are an abomination to the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. He doesn't want them in his land. They're profaning his land. Now you might sit here and you might hear me say this and you're going, oh, well, he doesn't believe in those things. No, no, I I, I will say I don't believe in them. I believe that they happen. I believe that there is a demonic spirit that is involved in these things. Do I believe that there's a demonic spirit realm that's out there? Yes. Do I think that mediums can tap into that? Absolutely. So you're saying a psychic, uh, a medium, uh, a palm reader actually will work? Hey man, the enemy can do anything. If the enemy can transform himself into an angel of light, do I not think that he can go down here on State Road 41 and open up a little palm reader site? Notice that those palm readers aren't going to drive you to the Word of God. What does the Word of God say about you coming in here and asking me for your future? About your dead aunts? Where Grandpa hid all the money? You know. Because Moses says, All who do these things are an abomination of the Lord, and because of these abominations the Lord of the Lord, or because of these abominations, the Lord your God drives them out from before you. You shall be blameless before the Lord your God, for these nations which you dispossess, they listen to these soothsayers and these diviners. But as for you, the Lord is, Lord your God has not appointed such for you. And this is what he says about Jesus. But the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst. From your brethren, him you shall hear. According to all you desire to the Lord your God in Oreb in the day of the assembly. Saying, let me not hear again the voice of the Lord, nor let me see this great fire anymore, lest I die. And the Lord said to me, what they have spoken is good. So here's what I'm going to do, the Lord said to you. I will raise up for them a prophet like you, Moses, from among their brethren, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. And it shall be that whoever will not hear my words which he speaks in my name, I will require it of him. But the prophet who presumes to speak a word in my name which I have not commanded him to speak or speaks in the name of other gods, that prophet's going to die. And if you say in your heart, how shall we know the word which the Lord has not spoken? Well, I'll tell you this, when a prophet speaks in the name of the Lord, if the thing doesn't come to hap- doesn't hap- happen or come to pass, that is the thing which the Lord has not spoken and that prophet has spoken it presumptuously and you shall not be afraid of him. But the prophet that's to come, this is Christ. This is the one that's coming onto the scene that God's going to put his word in the mouth of, of, it is God. He's the Messiah. 
So Jesus is this Messiah that is spoke, spoken of. Blessed be the, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then listen to what he says, verse 3. Who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. I, I, I want you to understand that what Paul is, is trying to get to you and I, what he's trying to get into the minds and the hearts of the Ephesian believers is that you have already been blessed by the Lord. You've been blessed with every blessing in the heavenly places. Look at what he says. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Not through anybody else. It's through Christ. It's in Christ. You know, there's times that I don't really feel blessed. But that's just me. That... I can feel blessed based upon what I eat. I can feel blessed based upon my outward circumstances. Maybe I have a neighbor that gets mad at me. Maybe I have a a, a person in the congregation that gets upset with me. Is my life forfeit if I lose a job? Is my life forfeit if I lose a friend? Is my life forfeit if... Something negative happens to me that I don't feel I deserve. Sometimes our outward circumstances, in fact, I will even go so far as to say it's not sometimes, but it's oftentimes. Our Christian walk, guys, is dependent upon our outward circumstances. If things are going good in our life, then, hey, the Holy Spirit, man, is powerful in my life. But when things aren't going super good, all of a sudden, I'm not being blessed in every spiritual blessing. Heavenly places, there's no way. God, where are you? And we cry out to the Lord. That Nothing happens. I think that, that this illustration is never more evident than when we get into financial straits. When all of a sudden you look at the at your your pocketbook, you look at your bank account and you see that your bank account and what you have coming in is not going to take care of the bills the rest of the month. Then your wife calls and says, uh, "Honey, the car broke down on the side of the road. It it said that it was overheating and there was steam coming out, but I tried to get the car home." And it drove for a little while, but after a while, it just, it just, even with it in drive, it just went, and now it's not going anymore. What should I do? (laughs) All of a sudden, Lord, where are you? This is crazy. I don't feel blessed. And all of a sudden, our, our, our blessings that we have in the Lord, they're all forfeit because they're all tied to Something of material wealth. Something of material. And I know that you might not be thinking, or I might not be thinking, well, I'm not asking for abundant wealth, but for goodness sakes. Does it always have to be this way? And I think that if a lot of us are honest with ourselves, I I, I would say that 
we oftentimes will point the finger at the Lord for not blessing us. But you've heard it said so many times. I, I mean, I, I hate to even say this because we've heard it said so many times. When we point the finger, there's one finger pointed at the Lord and there's three more pointing back at us. How many times are our financial straits because we've spent money unwisely? We didn't use the money where we should have used it because we thought we were going to have enough and we didn't plan for any problems to happen. And so we, we, we squandered something, finances, and then all of a sudden a couple of catastrophes happen in our life and, and they wouldn't have been catastrophes. But because we squandered our surplus, all of a sudden it's God's problem that I am not blessed. And you see, we, we attach our the outward circumstances in our life on whether or not we're blessed of the Lord or not. And we got to be careful with that because that's not how we measure our blessings from the Lord. Let me think about the land that we live in. And I know we are in a we're in a modern day verbal civil war in our country. Would we I mean is that a pretty safe assumption right now to, to say? I mean, we've got, we got problems in our country. We've got so much division going on in our country right now. I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. I don't care if you're not in an aisle. You got a problem with somebody out there. And, and, and it's just, it's worse and worse and worse. And you're sitting there going, are we ever going to get out of this? I don't know. Yeah, I, I will say yes, we will. Someone's coming to sit on a throne that isn't going to put up with any of this. John back and forth. Selfishness. Trying to tear one party down to make yourself look good. Hey, the, the, the point is, is that one day we're going to have a phenomenal leader. And if truth is known, we should have a phenomenal leader right now. And again, that's what Paul's trying to bring us back to. Get your eyes off a man. Get your eyes on Christ. Get your eyes on who you are and what you have. You are blessed. I am blessed with some spiritual blessings from God in the heavenly places. It's not what he says. He says, you are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Are you saying that, Pastor Don, that, that I'm blessed with every spiritual blessing, which means that I would consider having every one of my bills paid as a spiritual blessing. And I would say, I think you're looking in the wrong place. I think that you're limiting the Lord. I think if we wake up every day and, and, and we read Ephesians chapter 1, we go, you know what, today, Lord, thank you for blessing me with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. For you chose me in Christ before the foundation of the world. 
that I'd be holy and without blame before you in love. You've predestined me to adoption as your son or your daughter by Jesus Christ according to the good pleasure of your will. You did that for me. To bring you praise and glory of your grace by which you have made me accepted in the beloved. When we when we have a proper perspective on who we are and who it is that we live for, we spend money differently, we plan differently, we speak differently, we react differently, we encourage differently, we rebuke differently. Gang, we, we live differently if we understand who we're living for. And what Paul's doing is he's saying, I want you to understand. Are you living according to the will of God? Because if you are, you'll wake up every single day, regardless of where you... Listen, you can sit here and go, Pastor Don, you're reading way too much into that. Come on. You're saying that if my circumstances aren't good, my financial status is not good, my relationship status isn't good. You're saying that I should, I should say that I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly. I, I don't think that that's what Paul's saying. I don't, I don't, I don't think, I don't think that, that, that Paul would be saying that we're, we're being blessed, that we, we're blessed in our, in our, in our temporal or in our present day. That's not what he's saying. Because surely, if he would have seen my relationship status, if he would see my financial bank account, if he saw the job that I have to do, he would not be saying, well, okay, that, you're blessed in every heavenly blessing, spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Paul can say that because of, you know, look at the walk that he has with God. Look at how much wonder he's he's been able to experience with the Lord. Look at all the stuff that God has given to him. Well, of course Paul's can say that. Of course Paul is saying this. I think that that that's until he walks a mile in my shoes, he shouldn't be saying this. Well, do you remember where Paul is when he's writing this letter? Somebody say. Where is Paul as he's writing this letter? He's in prison, man. He's in prison. And he's encouraging the people who are free. He's encouraging the people who are free to get up and walk outside their door and live any old way they want. He's saying, do you understand? You have been, you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies as I have. I'm in prison and I, Absolutely adore the Lord. My life is not dear to myself. Christ has filled me so that I can fill you, so I can splash off onto you. Christ has filled me so that I can share with you what He's done in my life. I'm in prison and I'm telling you, 
He's supplying every one of my needs according to the riches of His glory. I'm going to live for God because of what Christ has done for me. And it doesn't matter what condition I'm in, materially, physically, locationally, if that's even a word. It is today. Geographically would be the right word. doesn't matter where I am. I'm going to live for the Lord today. And I'm going to recognize that when I walk in this in this this day, in these steps that God places before me today, I'm going to live them in Him. I'm going to live these, these, these steps in Him. You remember, I ended last week because I'm going to end again this week and I'm going to end again next week and I'm going to end again the following week because I really want us to understand this. Paul is going to say in the first three chapters, this is who you are in Christ. This is who you are in Christ. This is who you are by Christ. This is who you are because of Christ. This is who you are because of God, what God has done for you. In Him, through Him, by Him, for Him. This is who you are. This is who I am. This is who we are. And then he starts, verse 1 of chapter 4. I therefore beseech you, brethren. I beg you, is what he's saying. Have a walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. It doesn't matter where you are. Paul's saying, I'm in prison. And today, I'm going to have a walk worthy of the calling with which I was called. I don't know why. I I wish I wasn't. Is Paul saying, hey, I'm glad I'm in prison. You know, I, I, I've, I've had to talk to some people before because, you know, I've had people that come in and say, oh, the guy broke his arm. Well, praise the Lord. <laughs> they got in a bad accident. Praise the Lord. Why, why are you praising the Lord on that? Well, because we praise the Lord in all things. Yeah. My mom passed away, an old lady that we used to live on our street. She goes, oh, don't mourn for her. Just praise the Lord. I'm praising the Lord that she's with the Lord, but I'm missing her and I love her. And I'm grieving. Well, there's no room for grieving. Just praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. She gave me life. <laughs> I, I, I talk to her all the time. I had, I had a very, very close relationship with my mom. She's gone now. Don't mourn. That's a, that's a lack of faith. I don't know why women did this to me. I was in California when my mom passed away. I had a woman that was calling here at the church. It was a different woman. And she was trying to tell me about another person that was in this church that she thought was gay and and that I needed to do something about her and I needed to throw her out of the church and all this kind of stuff. And I'm like, what the heck is going on with this woman that is calling me? I called her back and said, hey, I'm so sorry that it's taken me a while to get back with you. I mean, it's been, you called about three or four days ago. I'm sorry, I'm just getting back with you. She goes, why did it take you so long? I said, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm out in California. My mom passed away. And I, I'm just, I'm sorry. I just, I, 
there's a lot of things that are going on in my life out here right now. And she goes, wah, wah, wah. Get over it. I said, excuse me? She goes, you have a church to run. And there's a woman in your church and she starts laying in. I said, whoa, 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 stop, stop, stop. stop. You Listen, I could go on all day long telling you what kind of stories I get on the phone or from people that come and talk to me at a church. It's amazing some things you hear as a pastor. But she berated me. She yelled at me because I was grieving my mom in her passing. I hung up. Sorry if I disappoint you as a pastor. I hung up on the woman, never to talk to her again. I have no business with that. I have no room or no reason to talk with that woman. She was all about herself. She was all about how wonderful she was and how she was going to fix everything in my life. I, I just had no business for that. Here's the thing. Do we praise the Lord? Yeah, I'm thankful that my mom is in heaven, but I'm not thankful that my mom died. Thankful that the Lord, that there's there's a recourse, that, that I'm going to see her again. I can't wait for that day, but you know what? I'm not thankful that she died. Person breaks their arm. Hey, praise the Lord you broke your arm. I don't think so. It hurts. Now, is there something that God can do through this? Yeah, of course. But don't just sit there and and knock somebody down and make them feel bad because they're not praising the Lord because of their broken arm. That's a misuse of it. So that's not what Paul's trying to get at. He's saying in spite of everything that you're in, you can have this understanding that, you know, I don't necessarily like breaking my arm. I don't necessarily like losing my mom. I don't like necessarily being in prison, as Paul would say. But here's what it is that I'm going to do. I'm going to use my current condition to spill out for Christ. Because he has given me, he has filled me, and I am now to spill out for him. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I'm going to spread it to whoever will listen, whoever will allow me to share this awesome revelation. even if I'm in prison. I'm going to praise the Lord, not because I'm in prison, but because God's given me another breath to breathe to minister to you and to spill out for you. It's totally different. Do you see the difference? Do you see the difference? You don't praise the Lord because you get hurt or because you have loss. You praise the Lord because you still can utilize what God has given you, this tragedy or this difficulty, this this tough time, and that God is still wanting to use you in the midst of it. There's what you can praise the Lord for. It makes all the difference in the world when you understand who it is that you wake up for every day. That's all Paul's trying to get to in these first three chapters. We're going to take it slow and methodically. I mean, my goodness, we get, we're not even all the way through verse 3. But to set the foundation for us, guys, this is it. Christ has filled you. Spill out. Don't be a container. That's it. That's our message for today. Does that make sense? Father, thank you so much for today. God, I pray that I'm not just speaking empty words. I pray, God, that 
the words that are being spoken of, Lord, I know they mean something to me. I pray, God, that they mean something to all of us in this room. God, that you handpicked me, that you handpicked us in this room to respond to your love, to respond to your grace, your sacrifice, your love. Wow. God, you gave us life. We didn't deserve it. There was nothing in and of us that was attractive. And if, Lord, we think that there is, then we have a really skewed view of ourselves. But, Lord, you loved us. You gave yourself for us. You called us to yourself and we made, and you made us your own. All that we had to do was just respond and say yes. We love you, Lord. Now, Lord, no matter what condition, no matter what situation, no matter what we find our lives in, on a day-by-day basis, may we not predicate our blessings based upon our outward circumstances, but that we would recognize that today, we right now, in your eyes, we have been blessed with, it's past tense, Lord. We'll get into that next week. With every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And I pray, God, that today we've learned a little something. We've received it into our container. Germinate it, Lord. Let it grow up that we might spill it out this week as we leave this place. And as we go about our, our lives this week, Lord, may, may you spill onto the people that are in our sphere of influence. Our loved ones, our, our family, our co-workers, our, the local grocery store, the gas station attendant, whatever, whoever it is that we find ourselves around, Lord, may you spill out from us onto others. May they see Jesus in us. May we truly have a walk worthy of the calling with which we were called. No matter what we find ourselves in, no matter our bank account, no matter our relationship status, no matter how difficult our circumstances that we find ourselves in the midst of, Lord, may we be used up for you and for your purposes. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks for listening. So, did Jesus cause a change in you today? Or do you need prayer? We'd love to hear from you. Please contact us by visiting our website at calvarychapelcf.com or call our office at 941-926-3717. That's 941-926-3717. Again, thanks for listening to In the Word with Pastor Don.